You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the top 12 songs by an artist without all of that technical jargon. Join us for episode 53, this week's artist, Genesis. Welcome to a land of confusion. Mama, I'm in hiding, clutching a knife, looking for someone. Like you said, no son of mine is throwing it all away over a misunderstanding, like those carpet crawlers did in the afterglow of the cinema show. But it is turning dusk, and the duchess in the cage is more full than me. Like me dancing with the moonlit night, when you know I can't dance. Anyway, that's all. Supper's ready, and I'm into deep, so I'll follow you, well, follow me, to the waiting room, where we'll join your host, Rob Heitman. And the audio pro with that invisible touch, Jeff Stewart. Hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where we rank the Dirty Dozen or top 12 Genesis songs while discussing their music and pounding back a few brews. I'm Rob. And I'm Jeff. How do you like that intro? Pretty that, good. You're such a nerd. <laughs> I am so much. I love it, but you're a nerd. For any band that yeah. this would make total sense for. Oh my God! It's Genesis because yeah. Peter Gabriel just I'm used sure to stand he, up there and just talk about whatever. I'm he, sure he's already mind. written that same couple of paragraphs down. <laughs> I think I had like 25 references. I love that. I'll follow you. Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting all that stuff in there is great. I know. I know. I know. We'd like to take a brief moment to thank everybody who's been active in our Facebook community. While we can't give a shout out to everyone, I'd like to take a moment to send some thanks out to Gene Rousey, Alex Hennon, Dan Meteoros. I hope I'm saying that right. And Tiffany Wolf for joining in on the conversation. Thank you so much. Now, Genesis, unlike many other bands we cover, has really polarizing differences among their fan base. One group of fans love the original theatric progressive rock lineup fronted by Peter Gabriel, while the other love the more poppy radio-friendly version of Genesis later fronted by Phil Collins. Two distinct camps with a true disliking of each other, especially from the Peter Gabriel friends to the other ones. Actually, I think both ways. Which camp are you in? I'm in the Phil Collins camp. Okay. So the Genesis fan club, the original fan club, will hate me during this whole thing. But I mean, I mean I've got a mix in there. But yeah, I'm definitely in the Phil Collins camp. Yeah. How about yourself? The first album I ever bought was Invisible Touch from Genesis. Oh, really? But I love progressive rock. So, right. and Peter Gabriel is one of my favorite singers. Some people will hate some of my picks, though I hope you'll better appreciate whichever camp you aren't in a little bit better mm -hmm. and see the value of them both. Like, it was, I came in knowing the Phil Collins stuff, but kind of thinking that was kind of poppy and right. not really in love with a lot of that. And when I opened myself up to Peter Gabriel, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I bought a vinyl. That's how much I love one of the albums, there you go. which is selling England by the pound. Right. And they have such good stuff in there. So if you're a fan of Peter Gabriel, fear not, you're going to hear some of that too. Oh yeah, definitely. Without discussing a specific song, what's the one thing you learned about Genesis in the preparation for this podcast? I learned that Peter Gabriel was in Genesis. No, was I'm, he? I'm just kidding. I'm was just, he? I'm just trying to get on this. No. The, you mean trying. the sledgehammer guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really what it was, I didn't realize how early they started. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't think Foxtrot was that early. Right. I was three when it came out. I didn't realize just how old those were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've been around for a while, and but it's really cool to see how they grew. And from even when Nursery Crime, you can totally hear when Phil joined the band mm -hmm. and the drums really kicking up. And seeing him as a pure drummer at mm -hmm. that point. I mm -hmm. mean, he was sung background and you can hear his voice right. in a lot, of the, a lot of the tracks, but I really dug the Peter Gable years and fell in love. Not that I didn't know that before, right. but the individual thing that I really dug in on, mm -hmm. on this, which a lot of people who follow Genesis and know Mike Rutherford as the guitarist slash bassist for Genesis, right. 
they don't know about other guitarists for them. And Steve Hackett Steve is great. fantastic. I have so much more esteem for his guitar playing, and I really was able to dig into that, and I'll get into that in mm -hmm. a specific song later. And he was in, in everything from Nursery Crime to, and then there were three, and then he stopped. Well, he was the reason that they went to, and then there were uh, three. three. Yeah, he was yeah. the four that left. Yeah, he was the fourth <laughs> that left. That's correct. All right. Today, we're drinking something kind of fun. We're drinking Irish whiskey, because Jeff always likes Irish whiskey. Why not? And we're drinking Writer's Tears, which is 100% barley. It's malted and unmalted barley. I'm looking at the bottle now. It smells. I really just get a lot of vanilla. Yeah, a little, pretty much vanilla, maybe some fruit, maybe a some pear bit. or something like and that. And getting some I, cherry, but I, that's... I, know, I know some of the notes say apple is supposed to be there, but I really get pear. But everybody's nose is different, I guess. I only get pear when I when I put it in my mouth. I don't get it from the, the smell. Yeah, I almost get like a, a ginger on the tongue. Ginger. Yeah, a ginger with the fruits, like you said. If you let it sit, get so much chocolate in, in the finish. It's almost like a dark chocolate. I think Bushmills does too to me, so that's that makes sense. Yeah. No, it's really good. Uh, suggest you guys try it. Yeah, it's nice. Very smooth and tastes fantastic. It's so, very good. So it's Writer's Tears Irish Whiskey we're drinking today. So if you want to drink along with us, that would be great. Maybe I should start putting that out early to let people know. Before you listen to this podcast, listen, get, go get what we're drinking so you can drink with us. Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs we will share under 20 seconds of each tune, unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight, and then we may do a second clip. We have made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to Genesis. We've also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. Now, the way this works is we'll count down the best Genesis songs, which is calculated from our list from 12 to 1. Nice and simple. Initially, Jason Weck was going to join this cast and was nice enough to give him his list <laughs> to his chagrin, which we'll find out later. While <laughs> lightly weighted in the calculations, we'll mention his songs ranked should they come up. Before we get going with the list, we've both selected a song that isn't in our top 12, but we'd still like to discuss. We call this song our song of note. So, Jeff, let's roll right in. Mm. What is your song of note? My song of note is Supper's Ready, mainly because it's 23 minutes long, and I want to try and see you grab a 15-second clip out of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it will be. It, I mean, and it encompasses the entire song. Yeah, you're not. it's not going to happen. <laughs> it is like 2112 in that it's broken up into different pieces. Yeah, seven parts. Yeah. Right? It moves in a lot of different ways. I love the end toward the end i think it's about the 16 minute mark they you're talking it. the apocalypse and apocalypse the, the nine, when eight. it goes in nine eight yeah yeah it's called apocalypse in nine eight yeah i just love the way the drums come in and it gives it a completely different shift there right at the end it's yeah. just really cool sounding so no i love this and if you have a chance to watch this this is really something that's worthwhile this they're not going to be 4k videos but they're high quality videos of peter gabriel actually performing this in the 70s and some of them are fantastic. I was, I'm just amazed. Because they haven't played it in a long time. Supper's Ready, I think Phil is done. Obviously not with all of the theatrics. Right, right, right. But if you want to get the full theatric experience, check that out on YouTube. Yeah. It's a great tune. It was hard to put on my top 12 for probably the same reason it was for you. Yeah. Because it's really seven songs rolled into one or at it, least. Yeah, exactly. And what they do is they connect them. <laughs> yeah. So it's one song. And, and, and it's a movement, and I get it, and it's really interesting. It's good versus evil. Uh, the really interesting is Peter Gabriel was inspired by what he believed his wife, mm -hmm. at the time Jill, was getting possessed by spirit at his parents' house, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of crazy. And he goes, for the first time, I felt as if I was really singing for my soul, almost like singing for my life. Mm. 
Anyway, they used to hand out pamphlets actually at the Genesis concerts at the time, which would go through each section so the people can follow along. Can follow along because <laughs> it's a long you, session, but it always would get a huge crowd response. You don't know the players without a program. It's one yes, of those yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the playbill for today's rock concert. <laughs> yeah. It, it's um, like, for instance, if we were doing Rush, 2112 would be high on my list. Sure. Because I think it flows a little better than this. Right. But this early progressive rock. They weren't concerned about flow, right? That's not what they were. They were just trying to do stuff avant-garde out there. And with jazz touches. And it was yes. really interesting. At one point, I didn't really get this when I listened to it. But when you watch the live performance, mm-hmm. everybody is switched over to 12-string. <laughs> Besides Peter. <laughs> Tony's playing a 12-string. Mike's playing a 12-string. Right. And Steve's playing a 12-string at the same time. And they're sitting down other performance playing it obviously uh pony will be standing yeah but they're playing it and they're all playing 12 strings well, you, it, you gotta remember that's moving so many ways and it's a memory test yeah right i mean i can't remember what i did 23 minutes ago let alone where i'm going to be in the middle of a progressive song right, right? right so it's just it's that memory we're concentrating let's sit down let's get the instrument we know we can play all the parts with and not have to switch if we can so i mean that that's what they're trying to do and it's all Peter being up front and changing costumes from a oh, flower to whatever, yes. yeah. yeah exactly. Whatever he's going to do in that. Yeah, that one. Right. I only put it as my song of note just because of it It does have significance with the band. I, I heard it was really kind of funny. Talking about the Foxtrot album, mm. I heard it was they have a, a Foxtrot thing on uh, interviews with people from Genesis, which was probably on the box set, mm-hmm. which is on YouTube. And you can check it out, like Foxtrot, just search for it, Foxtrot Interviews. And they go through it, and they're, they're complaining about the cover. And they're saying, well, the cover is more collage and it's really kind of too busy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, have you seen Supper's Ready? <laughs> Seriously. And it, it, it fits yeah. perfect with, this, yeah, right. with, yeah, exactly. with that one. It's a great song, though. I, I enjoy the spectacle of watching it being performed live. just raises it yeah. up in my world. So let's take a listen to Jeff's Song of Note. Supper's ready off a of Foxtrot. With a cross held high in hand, and it's Hey, babe, your supper's waiting for you. Hey, my baby, don't you know our love is true? Okay, that's Supper's Ready. Jeff's song of note. His voice is so great. So great. I love, I love Hey, babe. You know, when he hits yeah, that, yeah, when goes, I can't do it, yeah, obviously. Gets up there. But, oh, yeah. my gosh, so good. So, I went a completely other direction. Mm-hmm. I, as I said, my first album mm-hmm. by Genesis was Invisible Touch. All the people who love the poppy side, you'll be happy to know that I picked Invisible Touch as my oh, song of song. It takes me back. The younger me would have this actually high on my list. Right. Some of Phil's best vocal melodies in the catalog. Uh, it's so catchy. The dynamic shifts are really good in the mm-hmm. confines of the pop construct mm-hmm. that they have. Mm-hmm. You can't help but sing along. I could s- totally see how this album would completely infuriate the old school fan. <laughs> uh, besides maybe Domino, right? Right. Uh, because it's a whole new identity. Yeah. Uh, this was like their final, we're not even touching that stuff anymore. We're being a pop yeah. band. Yeah. And, you know, that's what happened here. And uh, We need to pay alimony. We're going to sell some albums. <laughs> yeah. Well, they saw Phil do so well. It's like, crap, we don't get that much money for what we play. Yeah. So let's let's do that. And this actually came out of uh, Mike Rutherford playing uh, The Last Domino mm-hmm. and coming up with his own riff. And it ended up rolling into Invisible Touch. And this was their only number one in the U.S. They had 17 Such a good top song. 40. I remember, I remember when it came out the day it premiered. I think I was driving to school that morning. 
I was, uh, let's see, I was in third grade. And uh, you were driving? That's pretty amazing. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was a senior in high school driving there. But I lived yeah, in I do Oklahoma, remember. so it was fine. That's what my daddy let me drive. I do, I do remember. <laughs> now I was, had my own car driving to school, uh, senior year of high school. Um, but a great song. I remember not understanding what the lyrics were. Lyrics don't mean a lot to me, so the way he kind of broke it up, staccatoed it out there, I didn't. It's like, what is he saying? You know? Yeah, he's talking about a woman having power over him, and even the invisible touch piece. I'm yeah. like, I didn't because when I first heard, it, I didn't know what the title of the song was. And right? I'm like, what is he saying? But yeah, it's sort of like <clears throat> even when she's not around, I feel her invisible touch on. It's a great. It's a really it. good song. Didn't make my list, but it's a really good song. Yeah, no, it is. So let's listen to my song of note off of the Invisible Touch album, Invisible Touch. Let's listen. Okay, that's Invisible Touch, my song of note. Great song. And to be fair to me, I think I was a junior, actually, when the song came. You wonder what the band was. Well, Phil had very successful, very, very successful solo albums. Very, yeah. So this kind of came after those in the middle of, like Genesis was in 83. You know, he, I think he had already done Face Value at that point, and then No Jacket Required came out. So this was the, hey, I own a few yachts. You guys want a couple? Let's make a pop song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make an album that'll sell. All right, let's jump into the madness, let me tell you. And speaking of the album Genesis, back in 1983, our number 12 song, I think Jason made this one kind of jump up a little bit. It's on all three of our lists. Okay. Even though it's only two of us here. Right. The Mystery Three, let's say Jason, this was his number seven song of all uh-huh. time. And it was my number 11 and your number 12. Oh, so I got it right. You got it perfectly right. Yeah. Uh, that's all, right? Such a nice song. You know, just the way it's written, the way it's formed. It starts off with that great piano riff, too. It does. That's the nice part. The way it just kind of lays in. When F- Phil can make it swing when he's playing drums, right. even if it's not a swing song, he just kind of, I don't know. I just really like this song. Are you a swinger, baby? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I put the car in swinger, baby. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Uh, Phil is just his great range and emotion and his vocal delivery. Right. I love in this. It's always the same. It's just a shame. That's all. Some of the lyrics are good. The bridge is solid into like a bit of raised vocal and key solo they have mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the oh, uh, all at the end, you know, with the little guitar solo. Right. It's the song's about a failing relationship. No matter how hard he tries, the relationship keeps falling apart. Yep. It's always the same. It's just a shame. That's all. Yep. I was watching something on this on Genesis. This mm-hmm. is another YouTube video. Right. There's billions of them. And he was saying that Tony had in his mind for this song mm-hmm. a little Rocky raccoon. Oh, really? So I That's thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, this is their first top 10 hit in the U.S. It's a great song. The beginning, like you said, that piano part to CP70 that he's playing, it, it starts you off on that song and it kind of carries you through the whole thing. It's just really nice. Yeah, Tony said it's a simpler Genesis song, but it's one that really works. Yeah. But that's all. This is our number 12 song off of Genesis. Genesis album. <laughs> 1983. So let's take a listen. Okay, that's our number 12. That's all off of the Genesis album. 
I'm always amazed at when you can write that good of a vocal melody yeah, and that you can, the music underneath it can tie it together and it just is, is a hit. You can't not make that not a hit. I think this is when Phil realized that, hey, I can write songs that people like. Mm-hmm. Because Face Value, I think, was a shock to him. And then it was this album. Right. It's like, oh, I can write songs that people can tap their foot to. That right has that melody that people can kind of hook into. Right. Well, let's jump. Let's rewind back from 1983. Jump back in time to 1975. Mm-hmm. For our number 11, which was on both of our lists, but Jason did not have it on his list. Mm-hmm. This is off of one of my favorite albums by Genesis, which is Selling England by the Pound in 75. And this was their other hit if you would uh i know what i like in your wardrobe i got that right that's my number 11 you got both <clears> of <throat> the first two are right so we're just gonna go down your list you might as well just give me my list it's just easier <laughs> that way just that's right you did oh my gosh i didn't even realize it yeah it's one o'clock and time for lunch dum 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 i love that beginning it's, part it's it's the whole thing's about it was written for his roadie who died in 1973 mm. and his name was jacob finster and he had all these different jobs. He was a pawn star clerk. He was a cashier and a lawnmower, mm-hmm. which they talked about in there. And when he died, I think he worked in a donut shop. When right. He, when he uh, overdosed on heroin, mm. they kind of wrote this for him from his point of view. And you have sitar in the song. You have a nice sing-along chorus. You have a flute solo. It's just a really different vibe for them. The drums and the groove are so good. Yeah. And I actually love some of the spoken word stuff later on. Yeah, it's about being a slacker, being pressured by society. It's a great song. It's a quirky song. Yeah. Which, so I I watch a lot of Top Gear. I'm a Top Gear fan. And- uh, I am too. So Jeremy used to play this to tick Richard off, right? This was the song he would, you know, play through his, his megaphone in the car or lock in the- to Richard's stereo it only played you know this was the song yeah, they played because yeah. it drove him nuts this is one of those Genesis songs that if you don't like Genesis this is the song that you don't like from Genesis and if you guys don't watch Top Gear you need to the, go find Motor Trend you can get a subscription to Motor Trend and get every episode of Top Gear for four ninety five for a year yeah so it's if you can't find it anywhere and it's on it's on Amazon Prime Amazon Prime you can get the first uh, the second through the 14th season okay. on Amazon for just Amazon Prime but it's just fantastic. My, it's my favorite show. If I just is. need to, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, then, then it's a, it's my favorite show. It's yeah. funny. It's entertaining. Yeah. Let's do a podcast on Top Gear. Oh my gosh, that, I'd be here forever. Anyway, <laughs> stay tuned for our Top Gear podcast coming yes, soon. Coming soon. All right. I know what I like in your wardrobe. Off of Selling England by the Pound, which is actually, yeah, it's just such a such a great album. It I, is. I can't tell you how much I like this album. I can. You have the vinyl of it. I have the vinyl, so that should tell you something. Let's listen to I know what I like. In your wardrobe. And I think if they didn't have the in your wardrobe part in the song, it would have been a bigger hit. People always like, I know what I like in your wardrobe. What? What? And it's all about you're not dressing to your age. Your wardrobe is not to the level it should be. Why are you still mowing lawns when you should be out there making money Mm -hmm. and doing this and that? All right. I know what I like in your wardrobe of a selling England by the pound are number 11. What is the fire escape trade? Just totally. I guess people who make fire escapes. That, that, was a, that was a big thing in uh, in the UK at that time. 
apparently. <laughs> it's um, a big trade. It's such a good song. Was this on Jason's list? Uh, no. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Like, I love the bass line. It almost sounds like it's walking. Yeah. The way Mike Ruther's, but, but it's not walking. Right. Right? It's just, it kind of takes you through. It's just... Yeah. As I was playing that, listening to Phil Collins' drum fills and the way he's hitting it and the beats he's getting, it's just, he's a fantastic drummer, and I don't think people appreciate that much. He is an amazing drummer. Yeah. You know, him taking over the vocals, and obviously his solo stuff has overshadowed that, but he is a an, an amazing drummer. Right. All right, so that was the number 11. I know what I like in your wardrobe. So number 10 is a Phil Collins song, and it's not on my list, and it's not on Jason's list, but it is on your list, Jeff. Follow You, Follow Me off of And Then There Were Three. Yeah. It's our number 10 song, so go ahead. Great song. I think it's one of their first quote-unquote hits. The way it was written, the way it's structured, I just really like it a lot. I mean, that's the easiest way to say it. Mike's starting to play the riff, and then they kind of pick it up from there. It's just a really nice song. The reason I didn't, this song yeah. didn't make my list, mm-hmm. I liked it initially, but then I found out how, and I really listened to it. Yeah. Mike Rutherford plays the same damn lick <laughs> the entire song. It's pretty much his sequence the whole way through. It's but no, but they play different chords over it, and he doesn't mm-hmm. change chords. No. He plays the same mm-hmm. exact thing. It's like I felt like guitar purgatory. You know, <laughs> if I was there to play as forever. a guitar player, yeah, and I'm like, I, no, I'm like, yeah, I, and I, once I heard it, I couldn't get past it. Right. So at that point, that's why it didn't make mine. It is a repetitive song. That that's definitely that's definitely it. And this was the first song that put the red flag up to those original fans. They really got upset because this was the first like pop hit. And that's kind of why it's on my list because mm-hmm. it is it is their first pop hit because I think this was the beginning of them taking it in a different direction. It's not really a Phil song. It's a Rutherford song. Yeah, Rutherford song, yeah. Right, but you know, Phil sang it so it kind of gets it kind of gets lumped into him that it was his fault. Yeah, I mean, this was their third album with Phil singing. Trick of the Tale it was kind of Phil just trying to get his legs under him, and yes. it was written for Peter almost. And then Wind and Weathering was just little weird, weird album. And then, then there were three. Year to your point, yeah. this was the one they were first congealing as a band. And yeah, trying to come yeah. Together. Well, trying to be different as a band, maybe. Yeah. Or, or even if they weren't trying to be, they were becoming a different band. Right. 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 And then they didn't expect this to be a hit. This was just a song they're putting on the album. And this is one of their first love songs. Yes. Again, that's moving in that direction, right? Right. Okay. So let's listen to the number 10 song, Follow You, Follow Me, off of And Then There Were Three. Let's take a listen. Okay, that was the purgatory. Follow you, follow me. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. I won't be able to hear that song the same again. Because it's a very pretty, very it's a beautiful it, little song. It is. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that song. Yeah. Okay. And then once I, I love the staccato and then the delay on that yeah. beginning guitar. But like you, you know, I didn't, you know, it didn't jump out at me that it's three and a half minutes of that same thing. Oh, I was, no, because I've had songs <laughs> where I'm supposed to do that. And I just really, just let me kill myself now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just awful. All right. So that was the number 10. Follow you, follow me off of it. Then we're, there were three. Now we're going to jump back to Peter Gabriel here. Mm-hmm. We're going to jump all the way back to 1970. Ooh. Off of the Trespass album. This was not on your list, no. but it was on my list. Yeah. And it was my number three overall. Ooh, which one? The Knife. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Driving organ in the beginning with the march and the drama of this. I love the energy of the verse and the chorus like seals the deal with that amazing delivery. Some of you are going to die, martyrs, of course, to the freedom that I shall provide. I love the lyrics. In the middle, they have a Kent State reference mm. where they say, fire over their heads. And that's what they did. Fortunately, there were people over their heads. And that's how the murders happened at Kent State. But it was definitely a very political song for them. Peter Gabriel said the lyrics for The Knife were partly me being a public schoolboy, rebelling against my background. And he was heavily influenced by a book by Gandhi. He wanted to show how all violent revolutions inevitably end up with a dictator in power. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Interesting. He, I mean, he's very thoughtful, very, you know, in his lyrics. This was the start of their kind of darker. They started leaning into a little bit more of the darker stuff. Yeah. So this was definitely at the beginning of that. And this really, the instrumental breaks are great. And there's different sections in this. Mm -hmm. And I just love. It's long in concert too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but even when they pull it together, it's just this great tune. That's, how long is this song? For a Genesis song, this is an average Genesis song, nine minutes long. <laughs> But I think they double it in concert. Yeah, yeah. It goes, yeah. Re it goes really long. Yeah. Just the drive of it, and it's a yeah. really aggressive moving song, and it's organ-focused to some degree, but the guitars in there, the guitars are really good, too. Mm -hmm. And it's just really good. I really love it, and uh, it's kind of rock theater, this whole thing they started getting into later. Right. This is great. Even Tony Banks said, The Knife was this important song for us to write. Because a lot of what we've done up to this point was like soft and acoustic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this was our first like drivey rock thing. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't say drivey rock thing. I right. That. Don't forget the flute. Don't don't sleep on the flute part. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> so, hey, Peter Gabriel in concert when he pulls out that flute. It's great. No, yeah. he, he rocks the flute. Although sometimes when he's playing, he doesn't realize that you can't hear it. <laughs> do, do you think he cares no okay i don't think go. he does yeah, exactly <laughs> all right let's listen to the knife off of trespass what i consider their first album uh, in 1970 the number nine song overall let's take a listen <laughs> Okay, that's the knife, our number nine song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tasty. I just yeah, it's a nice song. The organ dates it, I think. Yeah, no, no, I get it. Yeah, but I mean, for then it was contemporary. So. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. were they're pushing this as the end of the sixties into the seventies, yeah. right? They are. So let's jump to a number eight, which, mm -hmm. much like the last one, which was on my list but not yours. This mm -hmm. one is on your list but not mm -hmm. mine, and it also is your number three off of Invisible Touch, throwing it all away. That's one of those songs that I don't skip. So it's in my my playlist, my personal playlist of songs that I have. And I don't skip this song whenever it comes on, right? Okay. Of my 400 songs, whatever that I have in there. I just like this song. I love the way it's structured. I just love the melody. The lyrics are kind of haunting when you listen to it. Sure. What are we doing with our relationship type thing? I always assumed it was Phil wrote the lyrics, but it's actually Mike Rutherford. So right. it actually, that's one of the things that I actually did learn just kind of researching this a little bit. So that's why it's high on my list. Well, the entire song is very much hooked. Yeah. At the end of the day, it may be a bit sleepy and cliche for me to include on the list, but it's really catchy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The riff in the beginning is pretty iconic, though. I, mm -hmm. I kind of like it. You know what it is. There's some nice synths. The hooks in the chorus are just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it just, yeah, it's a great ballad. So. Yeah, it is. 
So let's listen to Throwing It All The Way, our number eight song off of Invisible Touch. Wasn't that the Tarzan soundtrack? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it does definitely sound like it. But remember, this wasn't written by Phil. No, I know. I'm totally with you. But it's got that. I love the intro, the pre-chorus. Those chords, the way it kind of brings you down and then it comes kind of back up. It's, uh, yeah. Anyway. They're very good at writing the poppy stuff when they want to do that. Yeah. This was throwing it all the way off of Invisible Touch, our number eight. Let's move on to our number seven. This is actually another Phil Collins song. This was my number six. This was not on your list, but it was Jason's number two, which maybe popped it up a little bit. This was off of Duke back in 1980. Turned it on again. I really enjoy the muted guitar strum into the hook. I actually love the horns on this, and I really don't love horns on a lot of things, but this song, it really works. Phil Collins delivering the verse. I love it when he gets like gravelly with his voice, especially when he goes, I... I get so lonely when she's not there. I love the arrangement. Very poppy, but really good tune. The time signature is different, alternating between, mm -hmm. it seems like it's between 6-4 and 7-4. It's like it alternates. And Tony Banks said this was a complicated piece with time signatures, and it just kind of flew naturally through some of their playing. The song is about how we can work up imaginary relationships with folks we see on TV while putting aside our real family and friends. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this was written by all of them, although Mike wrote the lyrics. This barely missed my list. Mm -hmm. I really like this song. I agree with everything you're saying. In fact, I think I had it pretty high at one point and then just kind of started shifting down when I moved some of the older stuff up. That Yeah, so this is, this is a really great song. I really like this one. So let's take a listen to our number seven, Turn It On Again, from the album Duke. I guess you can't talk about Duke anymore, right? Or you can talk about the college Duke. You can't talk about... John Wayne as Duke. Well, because, I think you because, can say Duke. You just can't reference John Wayne. Oh, so. John Wayne. You just can't. Okay. I can't say the Duke, but you can say Duke. Okay. I can say Duke like I'm talking about the college. Or anything Duke. But when you say the Duke, that's, that oh, okay. goes specific to oh, okay. an individual. I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm, I'm woke sense. Are we really having this conversation? <laughs> of course we are. Okay. <laughs> Am I really concerned? No, I'm not. No. All right. So let's take a listen to our number seven. Turn it on again off of the album John Wayne. That was our number seven. Turn it on again off of the album Duke. Let's just jump to the, the year after 1980. It's in 81. came out. Mm -hmm. And our number six song was on Jason's list at his number eight. It was not on my list, but it was your number two, my friend. No reply at all. Love this song. Yeah. Great song. So your first album was Invisible Touchy, but my sure. first album was Abacab. Okay. This was the song that I never jumped over. I love the horn section. Earth, Wind & Fire's horn section is in it. It's just, I love the structure of the song. Yeah, they're called the Phoenix Horns. Yes. But it's the yeah, Earth, Wind & Fire's here. Yeah. For me, I really don't like the intro mm -hmm. and, the right. and the horns overall in the song I don't like. And it's a matter of taste, I think. Yeah. The bridge for me is the highlight. I think it's really good. I get the feeling you're trying to tell me. It's just really catchy. The chorus is okay. The horns, for me, 
They were yeah. like nails on a chalkboard. For oh, really? I, I just, for whatever reason, this song, I don't like. You didn't like the way they fit in? I no, think, it was just... Really? It, it, for me, when it's too much horns, when it's just too horny, no pun intended, yeah. it just kills me, and I can't stand this song. But I understand that it was very popular. It was huge on MTV. Right. A lot of people liked it. You like it, which is great. Yeah. It was on the charts for a long time. A lot of people liked it. It just just didn't strike a chord with you. But I really, I really like this song. And I it's really our number do. six, so it was a very good song. It wouldn't be our number six if it wasn't. Yeah. Don't uh, don't watch Fish's performance of it at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. was it really bad? Oh, my gosh. Really? Oh, I have oh, to see it now. You see, you see when you say don't watch it because it's really it's a, bad. That's like Rob. It's like it's a train I, I need to wreck. watch it. It was almost like they didn't want to be there. It was weird. Unless it's Sparkle, I'm not. Don't want to hear. Fish. Yeah, didn't. You're fine. So anyway, let's go to our number six. No reply at all off of Abigail. Okay, here's the deal with that song. This is just me, and I'm trying to get over it. I think if the horns weren't in there, I've had such a traumatic experience playing with horn players. That <laughs> fall genesis because you don't no, like the horn players. It, you it play does. With. It's just in my head where where the horns playing way too much. If you take the horns out of that song, I can almost see myself liking it. But it's our number six. No reply at all. But moving on to our number five, uh, many people consider this next song a masterpiece. But I was totally in shock. You guys don't have this song on either of your lists. And it's mm. my, the number five song overall because it's my number one song overall. It's off of the Genesis album in 1983, and the song is Mama. Really? I love, love, love this song. You like Phil laughing and haha. I do. You, you don't like horns, but you like the Phil I, laughing haha uh, in it. Th- that was great. So good, so distinctive, so creepy. Yeah. And he does, uh, you know, he does like this right. little, uh, the extra stuff. Yep. And this came from a song called The Message by Grandmaster Flash. That's what inspired it. It was actually inspired by an early rap song. Right. If you step back and you listen, to, they play Drum Machine on this too, but they play it through a Mesa Boogie amp that turned up to 11 and you have the distortion on it. Tony Banks was saying it was almost jumping across the floor. I can, I can imagine. <laughs> the intro vibe reminds me of Peter Gabriel's Intruder, which Phil actually played on. Maybe the gated reverb and the drums. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's Phil's. That was the first That was yeah. the first song yeah. that ever did it, but Phil was actually playing drums on it. But that song I love from Peter mm-hmm. Gabriel on his personal side. The verse is so good. It pulls you into the song. It's very restrained, but you f- you feel the restraint, which is great. And oh, the release and back to the verse and the next chorus with that laugh. They worked in the studio, came up with this collectively. And it's about a young man being obsessed with an older prostitute who is not interested in him. Does that strike a chord with you? No, no. <laughs> but I just, I love the feel of the song. I love the vocal delivery. I love the depth and the... The way that I hear Intruder in this pulls it in right. to this next level, and the laugh is so distinctive, and it's creepy but good, and it flows, and it's just, for me, it's it's fantastic. Although many people did think this was about abortion from the fetus point of view. Oh, okay, yeah. But I don't see that, but I get if somebody thinks of that. Mm-hmm. From his just raw emotion from this, mm-hmm. it's the high mark of his version of Genesis for me. It's my favorite Genesis song, so that should tell you something. <sighs> Love this tune love this tune although the uh, video was kind of creepy i'm okay with this song i thought this song was over the top from beginning to end i think the vocals are over the top i think 
the him being emotive during the song was over the top. I think the ha-has was over the I, it, For me, this was everything. Uh, if they had paired this back a bit, it might have been a little higher for me. I can see how you liked it because it struck a chord with you. Yeah. You don't like horns. That's one thing. <laughs> there are no you, horns in learned. this. There's no horns in it, so that's why it jumps up your list. I don't dispute that it's on your list, but for me, it was just a little over the top in everything. It kind of was their prog rock, not necessarily right. in, in their structure. In the traditional, right, 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 right. But it wasn't a pop song. Right. Although they had pop elements of it, there, there were some yes. things in there, but there was that creepiness, that uneasiness that brought me back to some of the Peter Gabriel stuff. Yet, it was totally and wholly owned by Phil Collins in that version of Genesis. It was such a fantastic song. This was the, one of the biggest hits at that point in the UK which it didn't hit anything in the U.S. It didn't hit anything in the U.S. No. And so it, it like apparently it resonates with the British, apparently. For the British and, and people with the German heritage, There's three songs in this album I would have put higher in this song. But I'm going to stop crapping on your, on your it's song. It's my right number now. one, and gosh darn it, it's the best damn song, period, if you start listening to it as a musician. If you want to be a passive person and listen to horns and stuff. No, I'm kidding. All right. Let's listen to the number five overall, Mama, off of the album Genesis, back in 1983. Oh. That was Mama, our number five song overall. That was Mama. So good. Uh, If anybody likes the Peter Gabriel stuff, when I was talking about Intruder, we did talk about it on our podcast, which was, uh, we did a a podcast on Peter Gabriel's solo material uh, with Stephen Petrie. Uh, It was me and Stephen. Uh, It was set together on episode 15. So if you like that sort of thing, go check that out. Uh, And we Mm -hmm. did talk about Intruder in that podcast. And that's the vibe I got. I really love that creepiness of it. And that brought it in for me that was like that was the peter gabrielness mm-hmm, yep. i think of it that made me think of peter gabriel in a phil collins song all together and with the soaring vocals and everything in there and the and that weirdness of the the laugh which was done in jest in the studio yeah it, it was trying yeah. To, it was trying to get a laugh out of people right but it ended up working so well and the creepiness really brought that intruder stuff back to me. So do you picture Phil wearing a funny hat when he sings this? Well, I f- picture him with that face that they had that <laughs> that close up where he's all red and yeah, looking right. evil. All right. So that was now number five, Mama, off of the Genesis album. We're moving right along. We're moving right along. And don't worry, uh, we're probably going to have a uh, Peter Gabriel song coming up in a little bit. But not this next song. My guess is a few. Yeah, I hope so. We will see. But we're moving on to our number four. So we're jumping mm. up the, the chain here. And this was my number four. Mm-hmm. This was Jason's number four. And this was your number 10. Mm-hmm. This was off of the Invisible Touch album. Yep. This was the first song that I came to Genesis with. Yep. I saw the video for Land of Confusion, which is our number four. Peter Fluck and Roger Law created mm-hmm. this series called The Spitting Image. Yep. And they were poking fun at people. and Huge in England. Yeah. And they said, oh, let's just do a video like that. And I had never seen anything like this video. All about the political stuff happening around the world. And Land of Confusion works today. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, more recently, Disturbed mm-hmm. did a version of this song. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that was actually, they have a really aggressive video on uh, with cartoon animation. Yes. But yeah, that's Disturbed is a more modern take on this, but a more metal take on this actually. But back to the Genesis version. I love the video. It caused me to buy yep. Invisible Touch. Oh, really? This was yeah, the song? Yeah, this is the song. Because I yeah. saw it on MTV. It's great drums and a nice hook draws you in, punctuated by that quick riff repeated in the space of the verse. I love it. The chorus is, as I said, true today. The, oh, even the back half I love. This is the world we're in, that we live in. These are the songs we are singing. Oh, that, it's great. Uh, the bridge is written so well, and the flow within the song is amazing. I really, really like the song a lot. It's a really good song. I call this a Sunburst song, and I'll tell you why. So okay. Sunburst was the high school like ministry. Like candy? No, it's a high school know. ministry I was involved in. It was S-O-N Burst. We had a great band of guys, and this was a song we actually played live. We actually brought in a different drummer to do it, just because it goes to a really odd time in the bridge or the pre-chorus i forget which one i have to listen to it again hashtag phil collins is a good drummer yes but the our keyboard player couldn't get it he couldn't get the time in his head and for whatever reason i could get the time in my head i was producing at the time so during rehearsals i was the one who had to like okay here's yeah. the one i had to give him the one every time he couldn't get the one you have your director stick out i did literally i was like one and it was a it was a huge hit it went over really well it was a lead into the message because of what we were doing that evening but yeah this was a huge song at the time super popular great song i thought it was a low on my list could have easily put it a little higher this is one of genesis's better songs absolutely it's a great structure a great theme it mixes common and odd times it's a really interesting song you know yeah it's a great tune i love it and once again watch the music video it's crazy they have all the political leaders of the day in there and all as puppets it's yeah. fantastic all right let's listen to land of confusion off of invisible touch our number four overall Great tune. Yeah, it was that five four part after the after yeah, the bridge. And the bridge, that he yeah. Couldn't get, he it couldn't goes get. four four. It goes four four and then five four. It kind of you add that a extra. Bit. Yeah, this yeah. extra extra beat. Yeah. So yeah, you have to be paying attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I wasn't really getting it. I was getting it to some degree. There was a lot of the way the drums play. It's not always on the. It's common time, but it almost plays it out. In a sense, it's almost eight four instead of Ex four four. Exactly, yeah, 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 right, yeah, right, 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 right. That adds tension, right? Which is yeah. interesting in songs, right? That tension you can add. Yeah, no, they're always doing different things, and I think this is one of the true rock songs by Genesis. Interesting. But I'm listening to guitar tone. Listen to the heaviness of the guitar tone. You know, you may be using Mesa Boogie. It could be a Marshall to get that sort of 80s yeah, no, metal kind of I never of thought of that, and I see yeah. that. I mean, there's heavier, so there's heavier pieces in some other songs. Like yeah. Steve Hackett does some heavy oh, pieces yeah, yeah, yeah. in the middle. But maybe all the way through, I think you're right there. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think you're right. Anyway, that's the number four song overall, Land of Confusion. All right, now let's jump into our top three. Will this be a Peter Gabriel song? I think we're going to see one soon, but not this one. Uh, number three was on all of our lists. This was my number 10. Mm -hmm. This was Jason Weck, which is probably why it's as high as it is. His number one song overall. It's a misunderstanding. This was your number 
five song overall oh, okay. off of the Abacab album. I thought it was high for me. I probably could have dropped it down a bit. And Abacab, A is the verse, B is the chorus, and C is the bridge. It's a structure of a song. That's what it means. Yeah. But it's not the structure of this song. That's correct. It was correct. the structure of one of the demos. Right. But it's kind of funny if Abacab had that structure. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think, how would that song go? It's like, okay, it's like chorus. Verse, it's verse, it, chorus, verse, bridge, verse, it, chorus. That's yeah. all. Yeah. It's, it's a shorter version. It's usually Abba, Abba, Cab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's more of a normal There's a couple extra B's and a yeah, couple yeah, extra C's, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Again, the album that I bought first of Genesis. For me... I was in junior high at the time. What my friends and I thought of it. Abacab was Genesis. No, I get that. It's kind of like the 80s Genesis would be, right? Well, it even starts with that drums into that 80s guitar a little bit. A little touch of that. But then it goes into that solo uh, keyboard intro thing. Mm-hmm. And the chordal slide on the guitar after every line in the verse I kind of like. Yep. It's the exclamation points. Right. When the chorus hits the keyboard riff and the hook is amazing. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then playing off the main hook into the verse, they're all so talented. Phil Collins said Abacab was the first album where the three members of the band really started talking to each other and working as a team. Yeah. This seems like almost a less is more compared to from what Genesis used to be to this. And this kind of signaled it to some degree. It was a really cool song and it works really well. And it's a, our Abacab number three song. Abacab is almost a continental divide of okay. Genesis, right? Right, it's, yeah. We're, we're halfway between the progressive... Peter Gabriel or 70s Genesis and then what was to come it was almost that break that specific song well it was it was the Delta it was it, that was yeah, where, yeah, that, right, that was yeah. where like even if you saw like and then there were three in Duke you can see yes. some prog and still they're that. moving that way yeah. but there's still the prog in it yeah right yeah absolutely and then after this there's more of the pop and less of the prog but yeah this is a great tune Abacab uh, once again this is the the fulcrum of the uh, the rift between Genesis fans, so we've, right here. <laughs> we've used Continental Divide, Delta, and Fulcrum to assign that. Yes. I think Fulcrum is the better term. Continental Divide wasn't good. But I think Fulcrum is the one. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> so we're going. This is the Fulcrum. The Fulcrum of Genesis of the Battle of Genesis, right here, or the Battle of the Words to Describe <laughs> yeah, Abacab. Yeah. All right, let's take a listen to our number three overall. We're getting right up there, but n- never fear. I give uh, Peter Gabriel fans. Hope that there'll still be something there. There's got to be. You never know. All right, let's listen to the number three song overall ABACAB. Abacab. Let's listen. Okay, that's our number three, Abacab. I really love the keys in that. Tony Max is a great keyboard player. I don't know if he gets enough credit. Yeah, he's fantastic. I want to say I bought this cassette. Again, I, I was I was a cassette guy. Ladies and gentlemen, cassettes are these little real to real tape <laughs> that you used to take, and they're about the size of oh, a wallet or two. Like yeah, we'll two, put a link in the description yeah, of the, yeah, what a cassette is. You take a dollar bill and you cut it in half, yeah. and that's probably the size of a cassette. And we used to put it in these tape machines that used to play because you know it's kind of like an iPod, but you can only play one. I one, think I bought this album and like four <laughs> or four at the same time. Okay, okay, right. So if that gives you what late seven. 70s, early 80s guitar was sounding like. Yeah, yeah. No, a really good tune. Abacab. All right, number three. Now, fear not, Peter Gabriel fans. I think I know the song. No, you don't. 
Okay. It wasn't on my list. Then. It's on your list. It's oh, on okay. your list, but it's not the one you think that it's on your list. Okay. The number two song overall was my number two song overall. Mm, you got it right. Uh, I got it right. Jason did not have it on his list. Mm, sounds about right. And you had it on your list. And I'm not going to tell you the number for reasons of suspense. Okay. It's off of the Selling England by the Pound album. Mm-hmm. It's Dancing with the Moonlit Night is our number two song overall. It's a really cool song. <laughs> I, I love it's an emotional what song. number was it for you was it number it two? was my number two so I matched okay. what an emotional song I love the old folk it was that folk England with 1850s literature from Tell England me right you it was my country lies so almost good. Victorian music yeah he was going back to old traditional folk not folk yeah. 60s folk no but, no 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 but no. folk yes. like Irish and English yes. folk from the old days yes and then they add that really good guitar underneath a shanty song is kind of what I think of it yep the second verse has the piano and the third verse it just gets more and more emotional during the dance I love it explodes in the temple in the field did we say this was on my list I just want to make sure I get correct yes. for this. Yeah, this okay. is number eight on your list. The keys are so amazing, but the star of the show is Steve mm-hmm. Hackett. That beginning the, part? I mean, that no. middle piece? If you listen to his guitar playing, mm-hmm. and many people don't know this, mm-hmm. and many people think of, actually, this is not the first time he's done this. He did this tapping technique as early as Nursery Crime. Mm-hmm. This one, he taps like Eddie Van Halen taps. If you listen to the guitar line, when it goes into that little solo part, mm-hmm. you hear the same sort of thing that Eddie would do later. So Steve Hackett is an underrated guitar player. He is. By a, far. And this is the first recorded, at least this is what Steve says, I think I was the first person ever recorded doing tapping. I'm not saying I created it. To be honest, we all know Eddie didn't invent it. Eddie made it popular, right? Right. Obviously. Absolutely. But I think the jazz guys in the 60s were tapping. But they weren't on specific albums, I think. So it might have been in there somewhere. We can't give, I'm not going to give Steve Hackett credit for for being the first recorded on tapping because I don't know that. But the jazz guys in the 60s were doing it, but it it was a fill. It wasn't a lead piece. And the fact he started using it, and then obviously Eddie just took it to a completely different level. But the thing is, if you listen to the way he does it, it's, right. the, it's the run up, tap, and run off. He's he's not just tapping it for a note. He's tapping it, and he's he's doing the, the full tap with it. So is he doing more of a, an arpeggio thing is what he's doing he, with well, it? Well, he's just hitting that extra notes up high and low on the same string, and right. he's, but he's playing it with a hammer on, hammer off like Eddie was doing in this little section. He does it for a quick second. It's not like he does the whole solo like that. Sure, sure, sure. But you can hear it in there, and I'll play that but at the end so you will hear it. Regardless, it's amazing. Absolutely. But there's so many parts of the song. It's so well composed. Steve Hackett just like, poop. Jumped up the, the scale for me. It's the innovative piece of it, right? And it's like, how did I not hear that the first time I've heard the song? And to be that, honest with you, I haven't heard it in it. Yeah, yeah, I'll show it to you. Please. As soon as he goes in, you'll hear it. Here's Steve's quote. Let me, I can quote mm-hmm. Steve. I'm the first inventor of tapping on the record. That's what he says. Sure. We haven't found anybody who's tapped earlier than me unless somebody did it in the 1930s, but I doubt it. Yeah. That's in- interesting. You, you so maybe it's not on anywhere, but. Well, this is what he said. So. You know, if you have a problem with it, talk up with him. He d- he actually did it on Nursery Crime. That's what he said. That is true. So yeah. so that's 71. I'm not saying he didn't. Anybody who can show me something before 71, if you know, this is kind of a fun little game we can play. Let's do it. It's that stump. Prove Steve Hackett wrong. That's the name of this game. So For those uh, of you with a ton of free time. That's right. <laughs> we've, we've thrown the gauntlet down for you. I am not researching it. If you nail it, either I'll do a video thanking you for it. Or something. So perfect. So it'll be awesome. Anyway, our number two song overall is Dancing with the Moonlit Night off of Selling England by the Pound. Let's take a listen. Oh, 
is that tapping thing that I was talking about earlier. Listen closely. He goes, da 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 You'll hear it. So check it out. And he does the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Kind of the walk down that Eddie used to do. But anyway, t- let's take a listen. Yeah, you can really hear it there. And, and I've, See, I thought that was pick. He was just hammering and pulling off. No, he was, I was tapping. I've seen uh, him do it on video. Okay, okay, okay. Eddie took it to the whole right, solo. Yeah, yeah. The whole he made it his thing, yeah. right. But you can totally see a lot of that in what Steve did here. Yeah. They were so innovative, right? Genesis was. So it doesn't surprise me that he did it at yeah. all. All right. Uh, Dancing with the Moonlight Light, Selling England by the Pound. If you need to pick up one album that's not Landlines out on Broadway that everybody knows. Pick up Selling England by the Pound. It's fantastic. And the vinyl, side one vinyl, is probably one of my favorite albums, period. That one side is just fantastic. Although it has some songs on that were on my list but didn't quite make our final yeah. list. But it is as, chock full of good songs. As we move to number one, which is not off of that album. This is off of an album called The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. This was my number eight and mm. Jeff's number one. It was. Uh, and the number one overall, so you match that number one where it's okay. most important. Right. And the name of the song is The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. So you can lead it off. As far as 70s Genesis goes, I think this encapsulates everything that they did, right? The way it starts, the way it changes modes in the middle, the way it changes time in different places. This is the Peter Gabriel song. There's other ones that would have probably fallen in there from a cool factor, but from a what Genesis is, I think this is the song. This reminded me of a little bit of the Who's Tommy vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think this was a conceptual album for them, so it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And the bass line really lifts the song. Peter Gabriel obviously makes the song, but the bass line is really great. Right. It feels like a stage show, but I like it. It's like a Broadway show. Exactly. Yeah. That's the that's what they were going for. Right. And Phil's drum fills in this are standing. I love the callback at the end of this to the drifters on Broadway. Just mm-hmm. a little. Yep. This is Peter Gabriel Genesis. Yeah. It's all a story of Real, who's a poor Puerto Rican boy from the Bronx. And there's a whole big story. If you want to read you about it. You and I can it, relate to that. Yeah. Well, can uh, look at it on any of the sleeves or look it up online. And you can see all of that. This was the last Peter Gabriel album, obviously, from Genesis. He actually wanted to quit earlier, but they wanted to play this all the way through. So. Yeah, exactly. They kind of made him stay. Yeah. Just please finish. It's like, hey, you wrote this whole damn album. Don't leave now. (laughs) You need to sing it. Yeah. Let's go tour a little bit. So let's go listen to the number one song of all time by Genesis, according to us, which is really all that matters in life. So the lamb lies down on Broadway, Rolling Stone. You have no idea what you're talking about. Any spin, whoever, it doesn't matter. Dirty Dozen Podcast. The only thing that matters. Yes. The number one song ever by Genesis, the lamb lies down on Broadway. Let's listen. Okay, that was number one song. Lemme Lies Down on Broadway. Made it through. That's pretty good. Yeah. I was happy to see a Peter Gabriel song make the number one song. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. yeah just what happened to be. Right. <laughs> all right. So let's just walk you through what our Dirty Dozen was. Again, that's all was our number 12. Number 11 was I Know What You Like in Your Wardrobe. Number 10, Follow You, Follow Me. Number nine, The Knife. Number eight, Throwing It All the Way. Number seven, Turn It On Again. Number six, No Reply at All. Number five, Mama. 
Number four, Land of Confusion. Number three, Abacab. Number two, Dancing with the Moonlit Night. And number one, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Now, there were several songs that were on each of our individual lists that didn't make it. Yeah, but that was um, a good list, though. Oh, that's great. I'm going to go through some mm-hmm. of the songs that didn't make the list. I'm just going to read through them, and then we pick one that we want to talk about. I'm just going to pick our list. I'm not going to go into Jason's as much. But, 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 <laughs> Fine. But we'll mention some of Jason's if we want. My number five didn't make it, which was the carpet crawlers off of uh, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Your number six didn't make it, Watcher of the Skies. Mm-hmm. Or my number seven didn't make it, Birth of Fifth. And your number seven didn't make it either. Dance on a Volcano, Misunderstanding, which was on you and Jason's list. Yeah. And I Can't Dance, which Jason had high as number three. <laughs> it actually made my number 12 because I really like that song. Uh, I do too. There's a couple I like of it. Yeah, it was just more of a, I like that song. I can't put it anywhere higher than 12. I need to, yeah. Let's just talk about Jason for a minute. All right. His Why number, not? He's not here. His number five song is off of We Can't Dance, No Son of Mine. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. Okay. Go on. Number six is off of We Can't Dance, okay. Je- Jesus, He Knows Me. I actually like that tune. Oh, no. It, it's not an awful tune. Number nine, Dreaming While You Sleep off of We Can't Dance. Let's see. What was Jason's first uh, Genesis <laughs> album? I guess thought. it's We Can't Dance. Hmm, That's my guess. Think. His number 10 was Man on the Corner. I like Man on the Corner. I know you did. You mentioned yeah. you almost didn't yeah. take it. And his number 12 was Down and Out off of And then there were three. Oh, okay. So your songs were Watcher of the Skies, Dance on a Volcano, and Misunderstanding. Which would you like to talk about? Well, Dance on a Volcano. Okay. Super cool song, right? Just from the structure, the super odd time the way they go back and forth i think it's seven eight at some point one of the beats is implied it's really cool super cool structure i just really like that song the better start doing it right it's kind of cool and yes one of the reasons i liked it it was super progressive and it's a phil song this is the first song most genesis fans heard phil collins sing because it's the lead song off of trick of the tail exactly so it was that we're still going to keep progressive and but phil's singing on this one it's almost like they leaned into it like, hey, we have a new singer, but we're still progressive. Well, that's all I knew at that point. I mean, Phil, right. none of the band members have had an inkling of solo albums at this point. Yep, absolutely. And that's where it all went sideways. Yeah. Okay. And the song that I like to talk about. Now, I'm torn for my number five, The Carpet Crawlers. I really wanted to talk about, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to. I'm going to go back to my favorite album, Selling England by the Pound. Firth mm-hmm. of Fifth. Yep. What a piano song. Holy cow. The piano work is so fantastic there's flute there's a whole bunch of stuff and the guitar solo is the most pink floyd that i've heard in a genesis song right period it's almost like he's laid back but he's not right yeah, kind of slow and melodic like gilmore would do you're talking dave gilmore yeah dave gilmore yep and you have that sort of vibe and that flow that Right. Goes in that solo, which you just don't hear in any other tracks by Genesis. That just got my heart for that, and I couldn't not put it in there. Yeah. Um, how amazing is Tony Banks in the song? Like I said earlier, I think he's underrated from a keyboard standpoint. Like, yeah. you don't hear him up there, but he really should be. Instrumental-wise, this has so many parts and flows to it. Great riffs everywhere, and I love the ending when they call back to the intro. I always love when they do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, thank everybody for uh, hanging out with us. If you can like us on whatever podcast app you listen to please do so if you can share this with a friend of yours one friend who likes genesis maybe or one of the friends who likes some of the other bands that we've covered or a friend that just likes me that's right you like jeff <laughs> jeff you were on i've done what 1985 
Foo Fighters, Scorpions, and now Genesis, I think, right. are the four that I've done. Yeah, and he's been phenomenal. And by the way, thank you for having me on those. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. and phenomenal every time. And I've been on everyone, so you can just listen to <laughs> And you've been them. phenomenal on everyone. All of them. <laughs> I've been phenomenal on well, the, 97% of There's one you weren't phenomenal on. We'll talk about it later. Oh, okay, no, okay, I'm just okay. kidding. Okay. I, just, I, just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can make it up to us later. Uh, anyway, thank you, everybody, for paying attention to us, listening to us. We're going to be talking about queen in two weeks oh fun. by the way every band we've done this year came from fan voting yeah so we're going to be doing the 1990s after this and during the 1990s on the off weeks which we go every two weeks which i hope will be like clockwork this year we will start doing voting for the following season and if i can say if there's something that as you're listening to this and there's something you want to hear put it in the comments you never yeah. know what's going to jump up absolutely right? it doesn't don't that doesn't fit in our format if something you want to hear yeah let us know yeah, let us know if there's a band you want to hear or whatever, and we'll put it on the list, and everybody will vote on it, and hopefully we'll get it in next season. Yep. Be great. I will see you all in two weeks, and uh, God bless. See you soon. Thanks, everybody. All Bye. Right.